Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillen, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Hopefully, um, you're not getting too much cabin fever with the current coronavirus restrictions, although there's some nice news that they're going to start to relax those over the coming weeks and or months, uh, or the coming weeks anyway, and I think they've already started to do so, but uh, I just hope they're not doing it a little bit too early. Um, you know, I think, you know, with this huge opportunity for Australia to become coronavirus free, which economically will fantastic for us but I do understand there's people and businesses hurting big time right at the moment so we do need to get things out there and people earning money and and businesses you know back open um, uh, before we all go insane um, it is has been a little bit tough but there's also some positive come out of this there have been some great success stories with companies there's also been a lot of um, entrepreneurship uh, we've seen that as well and that's what humans do as individuals doesn't matter where you know, you live in the world, uh, human beings adapt, and that's our one of our natural things that we we do. Um, but I think from a travel point of view, it's going to be a little bit difficult for probably at least a couple of years until they really get coronavirus under control and get it eradicated or find some sort of um, cure for it, if that makes sense. Today I wanted to talk about the banks. I'm, I'm getting a lot of questions about our big four banks and the banks and People have this love affair with the banks, uh, and for some reason I understand it, and other reasons I don't understand it, and I think there's a lot of, well, they're banks, you know, I'm going to make money out of them, and, you know, well, you know, they'll eventually get back to what they were, and, you know, you don't lose if you don't sell, and all these sorts of um, little catchphrases that people use around the banks, and, and the, the truth of the matter is all the banks had their all-time high back in 2015. We're in 2020. So if you've owned a bank in that last four years, you've not done very well. And it's it's simple as that. Black and white, you haven't done very, very well. And it's using these little terms, like I haven't sold yet, means I haven't lost. That made a hell of beans to me. Um, and it's not smart investing. Uh, and that's really why you know, reading my book, Accelerate Your Wealth, um, and all my first book, um, How to Beat the Managed Funds by 20% that I released 2003, I think-ish, four, I don't know, I can't remember. Um, it's that long ago. Um, you wouldn't have been in the banks. You know, It just simply doesn't make sense to collect dividends because that's another one that people use. Oh, it's paying a good dividend. Well, so was Telstra while it fell for 10 years in price. Um, and right now the, the, the banks are not just in danger of, of cutting 
their dividend rates. They will cut their dividend rates, and this is the interesting thing. And uh, um, part of the reason why I want to talk about the banks, and I know I talk about it, um, have talked about it many, many times, and I know Janine has on our YouTube channel. If you haven't seen our YouTube channel, Wealth Within TV, just go to YouTube, type that in. Um, you'll come up with that, our um, recordings that we do. And we've constantly said Commonwealth Bank is our preferred bank at the moment if you're looking at banks, um, and we don't like... Um, ANZ and we don't like Westpac sorry um, we don't like NAB and we don't like ANZ with our Westpac being probably on top of those two um, but in terms of banks it is Combank in terms of big four uh, and Macquarie is the other one but I was reading an article by Morningstar and it goes out to it went out to the financial people in the financial services industry so it's an industry publication uh, that they commented in um, and Morningstar Analyst have uh, four. It came out today, and it was in. Uh, it was an article by Sarah Simpkins, and it came out April twenty eighth. Um, but uh, you should be able to Google it if you want to read the whole article. Um, but it says Morningstar analysts have forecast that Australia's major banks could be in need of multi billion dollar injections of capital over the years following the coronavirus crisis, as NAB has launched its three point five billion dollar raise. Now, um, you know they're. Also, they're saying the analyst reported has tipped all banks will materially reduce their dividends without payout, with payout ratios to average 50% to 65% over the next three years, and it has moved its uncertainty ratings for the institutions from medium to high. So what does that mean? So basically, they're predicting that the banks will reduce their dividend yields by 50% up to 65%. So... For example, I think as ANZ or NAB were during the lows last month, we're looking at 9-10% dividend yield based on the price. Remember, when the share price is falling, the dividend yield raises because it's based on the dollar figure and against the price of the current share price. So to give you an example, if a share is $10 and the dividend yield is 10%, let's say the... Uh, that's based on the amount of dollars it's paying, so out in dividend yield. So let's say the dividend yield is 10%. Let's say the share price falls to 5%, so it's halved in price. Well, the dividend yield goes to 20%, because if the same dollar amount is paid out that it was paying out when it was $10, it now represents 20%, not 10%. Inversely, if it rises from $10, the share price, and it goes to $20, the dividend yield goes to 5% if the dividend payout ratio in dollars and cents stays the same. So that's really what it is. And so as the price of all the big four banks were falling and have been falling since early 2015, March, April 2015, and as they fell in March, their dividend yields rose up to those sort of high levels. So again, let's say NAB and ANZ had dividend yields, I think it was 9 or 10% at one stage uh, during last month in March when they were at their lows. So if they're expecting a 50 to 65% reduction, that means the dividend yields are going to go to maybe 3 to 4-ish, maybe 5%, but 3, 4%-ish in that sort of bracket. So if you're buying the bank thinking you're going to get a 9% dividend yield, you're wrong. It's not going to happen. And this is the thing that a lot of um, individual investors do is they like certainty. And I've been talking about this a little bit lately on my YouTube channel because you actually see, I see so many comments from people and emails from people who, who are not clients of ours, but they're just posting on 
whether it's our Facebook or our YouTube videos or shooting in emails, because they're asking for certainty and answers. They're saying, has the market bottomed? Has this stock bottomed? Can I buy this? Can I buy that? Can you do this? And there is no guarantees. If you put your money in the market, you have zero guarantees of anything. And I think we need to be realistic with that. And um, it always, the market is always about perception and probabilities what's your perception and what's the masses perception of the market what will it do in the coming weeks months and or years that's perception but also probabilities what's the probability of that happening is it high medium low what sort of percentages and no stock or no market is 100 percent now as morning star was saying here and as it says there um they've moved their uncertainty ratings from on institutions from those banks from medium to high. So they're high rating on uncertainty. So when you've got uncertainty in the banks, what's going to happen is the big end of town aren't going to be pushing a lot of money into them and you're not going to get a lot of strong rises. So it is interesting to read some of this from those analysts and, and interpret that for you because these are the sorts of things. Mornings are always putting out things to the media and they're being, they will be reported in your normal you know, news that you watch when you might maybe while you're having breakfast or on the train or whatever you do in the newspapers or um, magazines or whatever you subscribe to, Morningstar put out some great research. So I don't have any issues with what Morningstar do. It's it's great great stuff. But trying to make sense of that now. Moving on a little bit, uh, Morningstar's predicted that NAB alongside ANZ and Westpac will each raise um, in the range of 3.5 billion to 4 billion of new equity in the next two years in its base case. So what does that mean? Well, that means they're going to go capital raising, which means they're going to be issuing more shares or doing all sorts of different things and trying to get money to come in to capitalise the business a little bit more. Will they be able to do it? Yes, they will. They will be able to do it. But what does that mean for their share price? Not a lot. That means their share prices may stabilise, but they're not going to rise hugely because generally to attract money into into your company, which means when they're raising equity, they need to do it like an IPO, for example, to, to make it simple, is they issue more shares because the money needs to go into the banks, into their coffers. That's what has to happen. So therefore, they've got to issue um, um, equity to get the capital in. So however, they, they, there are other ways of doing it that they can bring in capital, but generally the way that um, they will do it will just issue more shares. Um, and that's why you also get share buybacks at, at a time when they do other capital management to buy back some of the shares. These guys aren't likely to do that. But again, NAB, ANZ and Westpac, still no mention of Combank. Interesting. Um, but it also says the Morningstar's also forecast $750 million will needed for the potential Austrac and ASIC penalties for National Bank um, with the bank embroiled in ongoing proceedings. Here, Commonwealth Bank has gotten off lightly in comparison with the report speculating a lower dividend payout ratio should be enough to see the bank meet its 10.5% requirements. And the banks need to have a certain amount of liquidity and um, um, uh, to make sure we're very, very liquid and, and also they're able to meet all their obligations to their shareholders. And we've got pretty stringent criteria on the banks and much more stringent than a lot of other places which means why our banks are so good and highly regarded around the world and we're not too worried about them so and again 
that's just a positive statement on CBA and, and, and vindicates Wigen and I believe it's the better bank. And you can see on the stock chart, you know, when you're looking at the price chart of CBA, it just looks so much better than the other three big four banks. So again, that's the stock we look at. Um, but the predictions were made of NAB releasing uh, when it's released its half yearly results on Monday, which was just yesterday to me, um, slashing its dividend yield by almost two thirds and cutting the pay of his executives by 20%. Banks don't cut their dividends by two-thirds um, if they don't need to if they don't need to reduce how much money's going out the door. They need that money, obviously, to support the business. So uh, that's a big sign that NABS is a quite a weak stock, and obviously reducing its pay of his executives by 20%. I reckon I'd probably go further than that, but... I don't, NAB hasn't been a great bank. When you're looking at buy and hold, NAB's not the thing you'd want to do. If you go and look at my book, Accelerate Your Wealth, and also How to Beat the Managed Funds that I mentioned earlier, if you look at the 20-year history on NAB, <laughs> it's not that great. It's not generally a good buy and hold stock. It's the worst of the big four, so you're better off with Westpac um, and CBA um, from that point of view. Um, but you're looking at, um, despite uh, what Morningstar is saying, or they go on to say, is despite um, uncertainty being elevated, Morningstar has said Australian bank shares are 40% down since February are undervalued. So they're saying they're undervalued even, even though, because they've been down 40% since February. So that would suggest they're going to rise up a bit. But reading through the, the between the lines of this report, it really just suggests to me that whilst they might be undervalued, that nobody's going to be out there buying them other than possibly Commonwealth Bank um, because obviously it uh, looks like it's just going to need to lower its dividend yield uh, based on these analyst expectations. And if it just does that, and let's say it's dividend, I think NAB's, uh, CBA's dividend yield was about 7 or 8%. So if it drops its dividend yield by half, it'll be about 3.5%, which is still better than the cash rate. And you've got a stock that looks better. It's fundamentally more sound, and therefore it should be rising uh, or should start to rise. And I would assume that the more bigger end of town would be moving into ComBank because it's better poised at this point in time. If it doesn't have to do a capital raising, we're not. it's not going to dilute its shareholdings and, and keep its share price down. Um, it, it could be in a better position to capitalise. Again, we're not even talking about Macquarie Macquarie. Um, is it another ball game? And I think, you know, if the things get moving, Macquarie is much more of a merchant bank. Uh, it needs to see projects happening, uh, infrastructure, all sorts of building, commercial building, that sort of stuff. If we can get that going, then uh, Macquarie will be a, also be a very good share to buy. But if you're asking me which bank you should be looking at at the moment for your portfolio, I'm going to say CBA every single time. If you're asking me if the banks have bought them yet, don't know. Um, right now, I think at least three of the banks aren't a good risk. I think three of the banks, and we've mentioned them already, ANZ, Westpac and NAB, shouldn't be in your portfolio. Banks are not something you should be looking at buying and holding right now. And I think there's a lot of people going out there using that, oh, I'm looking for the long term as a cop-out for doing uh, for a, for a cop-out of not doing your research properly. And, and I say that with all due respect for people. A lot of people are what I would call lazy investors. They go, oh, I want to buy this for the long term. And then that's their cop-out statement for not really doing their research properly. They just buy some good stocks and buy and pray. That's pretty much what it is. Buy it, pray it goes up. Um, but right now, stick with um, 
CBA has the better bank. There are some good-looking stocks. I do think some of your stocks like your BHPs and your Rios are looking good, uh, looking better, and I think there's some great-looking opportunities in our market. There will be some companies benefiting from post-coronaviruses. We've seen some that uh, Jenny and I have talked about on our YouTube channel um, that are looking better, being a little bit more defensive, so good look at that. But I think, you know, we're not necessarily out of the woods yet. I expect our results um, for the second quarter of this year won't be fantastic and I think there's still some volatility that will happen. Any bad news is going to cause the market to fall quite heavily and quite quickly so we do need to be prepared for that. I know there's a few investors out there sort of beating their own chest saying how good am I, I've picked these stocks at the bottom um, but they don't know they're not at the bottom, they may not be at the bottom so and they're saying well I've made 10, 20, 30% on these stocks over the last three, four weeks. Well if the market turns next week and these all those same stocks fall 40 or 50%, what are they going to be saying? So just be really careful, guys. Um, it really does pay to do your research. Make sure you're using stop losses, protect your capital, and don't, right now is not the time to look long-term. It's much more shorter to medium-term right now because we don't know what's going to happen. But I don't think the US market has had its low. I really don't think it's had its low. And if it takes a dive um, after the second quarter or during the second quarter or something's happening, then our market will go with it. So just be careful. Um, you've been listening to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillen, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Take care. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.